how does your garden grow? Today, we're going to talk all about home gardening and all its amazing benefits, things that you probably didn't even think of. It's not just about food. So here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. So I'm very excited for today's podcast to bring on John and Stephanie, Stephanie, also known as Taffy. They are the owners of Homefront Farmers, and we're going to be talking about the home garden today. And the home garden has been trending for a while, actually, but I do think with COVID, the trend had a bit of an uptick, which we'll talk about and as to the reasons why. I also think if you are moving from the city to the suburbs, you now have that land that you can implement your own garden. So today we have John Carlson. He is an environmentalist, entrepreneur, and owner and manager of Homefront Farmers. John, after a successful 25-year career in marketing and consulting, unleashed his passion for organic farming on the world of local organic gardening. He envisioned a company that was dedicated to bringing food production home, which helped reduce pollution associated with food transportation, shifting growing methods from chemical to organic, and spreading the joy and satisfaction of just getting back to the garden. John is an accredited organic land care professional. He is certified by the Northeast Organic Farming Association, and he holds a BA in English and History from Williams College, as well as an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. He is past president of the board of directors for the Connecticut chapter of the Northeast Organic Farming Association. And for John, his new mission is part artist, part farmer. Homefront Farmers Design, Build, Maintain Commitment has produced a crop of satisfied customers who are benefiting from John's yard-to-table concept and philosophy. Taffy Miller has spent most of her 25 years in the field of strategic philanthropy. She was a grant seeker, grant maker, and on the ground as a local and national community worker in Canada, the U.S., and overseas. In the last few years, just like her husband, and Homefront Farmers owner John, she has been scooped up by the spirit of farming and works on the family business with commitment and energy, helping people to understand the value of growing their own food. Taffy was raised in Montreal, and she's a proud Canadian and received a graduate degree from McGill University. She sits on the Weston Board of Education and is chair of Outreach and Social Action Committee at her local church, the Norfield Congregational Church. Taffy quit work on the road to try new local health-giving experiences like baking bread and growing vegetables, and life has never been better. Taffy and John live in Connecticut, and they cherish spending time with their kids. So give a warm welcome to Taffy and John, and this is a great conversation if you've had an inkling about putting in a garden. So here we go. Hey, John and Taffy. I am so excited to have you here today with me. I think I mentioned I've been following Homefront Farmers for a while and seen your ads. And I just think what you do is amazing. And I think it's talking about gardening and gardening at home is such a nice thing for our listeners to hear about today. So thank you for being here. 
Great. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So tell me a little bit about Homefront Farmers, a little bit about yourselves and, and the philosophy and like, you know, briefly how the the process goes. Sure. Well, we're basically focused on helping people grow their own food organically. So the core of that business is helping maintain vegetable gardens. So people have a vegetable garden in their yard and we will help them get the most out of it and make it as successful as possible. If Mm -hmm. they don't have a garden yet, we will build one for them. And they're very nice sort of architectural landscaping gardens, fenced and raised beds. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, there's kind of the other fun things we do. So we'll we'll help people grow berries or fruit trees. Mm. We tap maple trees and make syrup. It comes from the sap on people's own trees. Yeah, and um, that's great. I didn't know you did that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Beekeeping, you said right? Beekeeping. Yes, beekeeping. Yeah. And then, last but not least, we do have our own farm, so we grow vegetables there in the fields for our farm stand. Yeah. So what I've noticed is, you know, people moving from the city to the suburbs, they want more space both inside and outside. And what the extra yard space outside lends itself to is this, you know, trend with gardening, also with COVID, you know, having some of your own food available. And we'll get further into that because admittedly, and I think I told Taffy, I don't have a vegetable garden and I'm one person that should because I cook my great grandparents and grandparents always had it. They always picked from that for all the fresh Italian dishes that were always made. And I was telling Taffy that what holds me back is I am the worst gardener in the whole world. I seem to kill everything. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so I have this fear that like I'm going to get this raised bed put in that I'm going to love and love everything growing in it. And then I'm not going to be able to care for it. So talk a little bit about your services, because I think Taffy mentioned to me, you really can do some handholding and teaching so that somebody like me could get there and be able to do it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Your story is very similar to what we hear from most of we our hear clients. It all the time. They say, mm-hmm. my uncle had a garden, my grandparents had a garden, but I don't know how to do it. And, you know, people aren't taught in school how to garden now. So, but they want their kids to have that same experience. Mm-hmm. So we basically fill in that knowledge gap. So some people don't know how to grow their own food. Some people just are too busy. They're dual career households and they don't have time to manage the garden themselves. So we kind of fill that gap. And that starts with a plan. That plan would start with what do you want to grow in your garden? What do you like to eat? Yeah. And then we figure out how to plan it out in the space you have available. Right. Uh, I mean, there's some folks that mm-hmm. decide they want a small herb garden, in which case that's a small garden. But if they and their children decide that sure. they want watermelon and cantaloupe and squash and zucchini, that just takes more geography. So we build them a larger garden. And then our crew of 20 and 30 somethings who are all very, very knowledgeable and educated in organic gardening and farming will come mm-hmm. on the same day every week, work with the family uh, alongside them. You can get your hands in the dirt and work with them, or mm-hmm. you can learn from them, or you can never go out there and meet them if you'd rather just not be involved. But right. all along the continuum, we're helping people to be self-sufficient if that's what they want to do. And, and just yeah. to love the joy of gardening, right? Their children can get out there and do it with them. Right. So somebody like me, if I, you know, I feel like I 
might kill everything, whatever, but I could install it. And then I could have somebody from your company once a week for as many weeks as I, because ultimately the goal would be that I could independently take care of it. Right. Right. So we could just have a certain amount of weeks where you come out till I'm comfortable saying, you know what, I can do it now. Like I get it. I understand. And I know what's involved. Right. That's the idea. A lot of, you know, a lot of the work in getting the garden going is in those first, say six weeks of the spring Mm -hmm. when everything planted. And that's, you know, critical time to get the plants off to a good start. So a lot of people do that startup plan and then they take over for the rest of the season. In other cases, people say, well, why don't we have the full maintenance plan for a season or two? Mm -hmm. And then at some point they say, you know, I feel like I can kick off the training wheels and do this on my own. And right. so we're glad to have them sort of graduate to that level of independence. Yeah, I think it's yeah. interesting. A lot of clients like you, Jill, you know, aren't aware that there may be three or four planting seasons in one season. In other yeah. words, you know, the idea of what we call, you know, succession planting. Well, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize that once your arugula and your lettuce is done, Something else can go in that spot that only belongs in that spot come July. Wouldn't work in April, does work in July. And then August, it's another time for a cool crop that loves cooler weather. So that's just basic stuff that isn't hard to understand, but that is really really valuable that we provide. And it helps people get the most out of their garden for a full season. You know, I used to think about gardening as being a Memorial Day to Labor Day kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. it really is more like St. Patrick's Day to Thanksgiving if you do it right. (laughs) Just the right plant at the right time is kind of our motto. Yeah, because one of the questions I had for you are, you know, what are the seasons you can install a garden? Let's say you don't have one. And and the reason I ask is we live in the Northeast. There are other states that have cold climate. So I wanted to know where's that window of if you're thinking of installing one, what is the time frame of when you can install? So I think you might have just answered that if you want to just repeat it. Yeah, well, so most people think about installing a garden in the period from say February to May. But the problem is, you know, swimming pools, everybody wants them at the same time. So we build them actually all year round, unless the ground is frozen or covered in a foot of snow, we keep building. This past year, the winter was very mild in the Northeast. So we continued throughout the whole winter. But, you know, But the gardening season really goes from the beginning of April or late March through to November. And things are quiet now for us. It was a really, really busy spring and summer Mm -hmm. for us because of COVID and a bunch of other reasons. But to build a garden now is ideal because we're a little quieter now as we move into fall and then you're Mm -hmm. ready for planting, you know, this fall, you'll be ready for next spring. Yeah. You know, there's an old proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. (laughs) So true. second best time is right now. And so we always tell people, you know, get it in, you'll be ready to go, you know, in the spring before anyone else is. Right. So, and and even though the winter was milder last year, John, there's technically there's nothing you can grow though, right? Like we had a wet, rainier winter, but you pretty much aren't going to be growing and picking anything from the garden after what is it, October ish? Yeah. In, in colder climate. And it, it's not so much the cold, really. It's the amount of light you get. Okay. So that makes we, sense. We just don't have enough light to really grow things. You can use like cold frames, which are essentially a mini greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And they 
you know, it's just a, the size of, say, a box and it has a clear roof on it and it will protect things from the cold in the early, early spring. So February, mm-hmm. when there's enough light, but there's not enough heat, you mm-hmm. can use things like a cold frame to get a head start. Right. And of course, a note to the audience, if you live in states like Florida or California, other warmer climates, this is going to be less of an issue for you. But just wanted to bring it up for those states that have to deal with winters. Let's talk about the reemergence of the Victory Garden and the gardening trend during COVID. You know, as I've mentioned, people want more space. They do have more time because they're working from home. I actually saw something on the internet too that there's eight surprising health benefits of gardening. It builds self-esteem. It's good for your heart. It reduces stress. It can make you happy. It can improve your hand strength. It's good for the whole family. It can give you a boost of vitamin D and growing your own food can help you eat healthier. And I think that during COVID, we like all this stuff, right? Yeah, I think you're hired, Jill. You're hired. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. I mean, as you said, the resurgence of the Victory Garden. I mean, we've seen it this spring with our own eyes. And back in, you know, World War II, 40% of Americans' vegetables were grown at home, which is really remarkable. I mean, people yeah. had to hunker down and survive and, and make it work at home. And we're seeing that now. And it's a very interesting trend now to build vegetable gardens because people are not at the office. They're working from home. They're staring Mm -hmm. out their window. They're looking at their yard or they're, Mm -hmm. you know, well, they're moving from the cities to get back out into nature and away from the rat race and the pandemic. And they're looking at their yard and they're saying, I want to walk out there and pick my own vegetables. And so I can't tell you how many calls we've received from people saying with all this madness, this is going to bring me peace. And it's, yeah, quality time with my children, you know, and, and I, I think it can't be understated that if there was a secret mission that we had at Homefront Farmers, it would be to make everybody grow their own food. Yeah. And I mean, people are also home cooking more. So how nice to have your own produce, you oh, know? Right. And I think there's yeah. something amazing for the children. You mentioned, you know, the kids and how, how much they can love it. I mean, one of the things we want to teach our children is about the food chain, is about sustainability. We want to teach them other executive functions like patience, like waiting. And when we plant the seeds and then we wait and we watch them grow and then a child pulls their own carrot out of the ground, it's pretty extraordinary. Um, I love it. I love that. Yeah. Well, also, I think I have mentioned to you too, you know, there's a lot of things written about when a child is involved in the cooking process, right? They will have more of a tendency to eat the food and it's even more so when they're growing the food. So when you're, you know, in, to try to get them to eat vegetables instead of nagging about it, if they're growing lettuce and carrots, they want to go out and help in the garden and take a little nibble and then they feel proud they helped in that process right. and are more likely to eat it, and right? There's something else. there's something else and that is that the vegetables just, plain old taste better when they come out of the ground. Fresh. So different. You know, it's night and day. It's very, very different. John likes to say that the carrots you get in the grocery store will say, yeah, I'm a carrot. I've got this carrot thing going on. But the carrots that you pull out of a garden and eat scream, I'm a carrot. Um, yes. You know, they really, they are a celebration of carrot. 
And when we had a little anecdote, we had a Halloween gathering at the farm last October, and we had a whole lot of neighbors come by the farm. And we brought every single child into the demonstration garden and let them pull a carrot out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And the delight was so obvious. And they wiped it off and just bit it right there in the garden. And I can't tell you how many parents said they've never eaten a carrot. And I think they, you know, when they see how long it takes a carrot to grow, Mm -hmm. they appreciate it more. They appreciate seeing a pumpkin ripen on the vine and their lettuce, you know, grow into a beautiful head. So Mm -hmm. those are things it's, it's, you know, hard to, to communicate to people that haven't actually seen it happen. Right. Well, I love what Taffy said, too, about teaching patience, because you know, each year we become a much more rushed society. We become a much more instant gratification society with social media and the internet and particularly children. So I think, God, what an amazing lesson. Plus they're outside. They're not on the darn phone for a certain amount of time. I mean, I I think kids older, I mean, I have a 20 year old, I have a 16 year old. There's no reason why they wouldn't also love being out there. And that's time away for them too. You know, this generation, if one thing COVID is teaching them is to maybe appreciate some other things. But I think that whole lesson of patience is really amazing that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, our daughter is 16 and she spent a bunch of time working at the farm this summer. And, you know, you can see her appreciation for the whole agricultural sector growing. And she realizes, you know, as you said, that there are things beyond the phone that you can really enjoy, even if it's pulling weeds at dad's farm. Yeah. And I also thought with all the homeschooling going on, what a great science subject to teach, right? Right. There's so much science involved that without an actual formal lesson from the school, spending time in the garden, gosh, they're going to learn so much. I love to take kids out and look at any of the cucurbits, the the vining vegetables like cucumbers and squash and, mm. and, and show them that there are actually male flowers and female flowers and how the mm. fruits only come from the female flowers, but how they, they can see the bees crawling in and out of those flowers all the time. It's just, it's an amazing thing. That really is amazing. I I love that. What are the size ranges of your gardens? I know you said you'll put something in as small as just an herb garden for somebody. So regardless of, I mean, there might be many foods that I like or want to grow, but starting off, if someone is just starting off like me, do you want to sort of start smaller and then add just so that it's manageable or does it not matter once you learn how to do it? Yeah, it's a great question. It's really not a function of, you know, how big a garden do I want in my yard, but rather what do I want to grow? And again, as I said, if you want to grow crops that require a lot more space, that's going to govern what size garden you have. If you want to start small, you absolutely can. We probably would discourage you from building a tiny garden because adding on means pulling down part of it or having it, you know, in three or four pieces. But mm-hmm. the fact is you absolutely can add on to it. One of our, we have a, a set of standard size gardens. Eight by 16 is one of our smallest gardens, but mm-hmm. we've made gardens that are 40 by 60. 
for folks that yeah. really grow, you know, corn and other kinds of crops that take up a lot of yeah, space. Yeah, it sort of goes back to this idea of a plan. And that, that starts when we first meet with people and we ask them, you know, how many people will be eating the food from the garden? And what mm-hmm. kind of foods do you like to grow? Mm-hmm. And the example I like to give is that the space for one zucchini plant, you know, might produce a bunch of zucchini, but you could fit 40 beets or carrots in that same spot. So, you know, things have different space productivity and it just comes down to what it is they want to do. The other thing is that there are different spaces for different uses. So Taffy mentioned herbs Mm -hmm. and, you know, herbs are really best as close to the kitchen as you can put them. So a lot of people will get a planter and put that right outside their kitchen door Mm -hmm. and grow, you know, rosemary and thyme and oregano and and basil and things like that there. Mm -hmm. But they may have a separate vegetable garden further away from the kitchen to grow the the bulk crops. The other thing is that when when people express an interest in having a garden, we immediately sent, you know, go over there and talk to them. You know, they don't have to look online and choose a size. We go over there and we walk the property with you and we look at where your kitchen door is and where your spigot is and where your light is most important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we begin to chat and dream a little bit. And so by the time we leave, you know, we've used our light meter and our our measuring tape and, and we've got a sense of their family and what they're looking for. And then we draw up a plan and send it to them and and then we begin to build. So, you know, it, it, it's a process, but it moves quickly. We don't drag mm-hmm. things out. Really, it's about getting to know what they want, not just this summer, but what, what they want in five summers. Yeah. And are some things harder to grow than others or that shouldn't dissuade you? Whatever you feel like you want to eat is what you should go for as far as what you're going to grow. Do oh, you think? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's, there's a huge variety of things, you know, and again, it, this comes back to people haven't been taught this. So it's no fault of theirs, but you know, they'll say, Ooh, can I grow carrots? So repetitively, mm-hmm. and we say, absolutely. You can grow you know, yellow and orange and purple carrots and white carrots if you want. <laughs> you know, you can grow a huge you can, variety you of can plants. Grow ground cherries. And people say, what are ground cherries? And we have mm-hmm. to explain that they're little pods that they almost look like tomatoes. They're a cross between a cherry and a tomato. And they grow in a paper pouch. Believe oh, it or wow. Not, a little paper pouch that you peel down and looks beautiful on the side of a plate. So, you know, you can experiment with things that yeah. you want to try. And we, we try to encourage people to grow things that they can't buy in the grocery store. So, you know, you can go to the grocery store and buy a regular tomato, but you mm-hmm. can't probably get a striped German tomato at the grocery store. Right. Uh, oh, that's or, cool. Or ground cherries or, you know, or purple carrots or whatever it is. Growth yeah. That uh, will be unusual relative to what you usually buy. And Jill, to your question about how hard it is. Yeah. We have, I mean, a shout out to a, a really amazing crew of people who are all really interested in helping you learn. They're not just walking in, pruning your garden and leaving. They're, yeah. They want to help you get the most out of it, not just the produce, but the learning. So, so hard is a relative term at Homefront Farmers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like people are coming out of college and getting shoved into farming. You go right. into growing organic vegetables because you absolutely love doing that. Right. And you want to spend more time doing it and right. you want to spread that joy to other people. So that's kind of what that crew is all about. You know, and what I think is great about your company is that, you know, you help install it and then it's a teaching experience from there that cultivates, you know, 
not just the garden, but the, the garden owner, right. To, you know, learn and have this as part of their lifestyle, which I think is, is really such a cool thing. And just to be clear, some people don't want to get their hands in the muck and do it all. Some people want a vegetable garden. They want to know it's being well taken care of, that it's going to produce beautiful produce Mm -hmm. and they want it put in a basket on their front stoop. There are those people and we help them too because they also are growing their own food and they just are a little more hands off because they may be busy or are otherwise occupied. So we do the whole range. Yeah, no. And I think that's such a great thing too. And do you guys also help with disease and pest control? Yeah, absolutely. And Um, educate us on like what to look for. Like, and I mentioned that only because I know just, just in the last few years, and it has to do with a lot of moisture we've had in our climate, you know, I've had to treat a few shrubs for a lot of different diseases and things. And I'm not sure how that applies to vegetables and and berries and herbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, our gardeners are trained to spot disease and pest problems and take mm-hmm. care of them in an organic fashion. So we follow all the standards outlined by NOFA, which is the Northeast Organic Farming Association. Yep. And, you know, all our processes and activities yeah. are NOFA approved. But yeah, I mean, there's the most important thing in organic growing is you have to start with really good soil. And then mm-hmm. you need to make sure that the plant gets a really good start. And then, you know, it's just like a child. If you were undernourished, you know, up through age three, it's going to show for the rest of your life. So these plants are very well taken care of. And, you know, then when it really comes right down to it, there's a lot of, you know, bug squishing and things like that in the <laughs> <laughs> that that they do manual removal of bugs and treat diseases. Right. Quickly. So it's really part of the whole educational yeah. process that yeah. you provide, which I think is amazing. Yeah. You also, I think your company also helps people. I want to shout out to people who have existing gardens and who may need some help with them or reviving them. You guys help with that as well, right? So I want to throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. As I said at the beginning, our goal, our mission is to help people grow organic food. So mm-hmm. we will build gardens for them if they don't have one. But if they have one and feel like it's not doing as well as, they, as they'd as they like it to, or they want to learn how to do it better, we can step in and fill that knowledge gap for them. Well, yes. And some of our new homeowners that move to a new home in the suburbs, sometimes the home had a garden. And to what condition it's in could be a whole range. And so if you have moved into a home and, you know, you're listening to this and there's a garden there and you're not quite sure what to do with it because you've never gardened, you know, calling somebody like Homefront is a great way to get that garden going again and have it be part of your property as well. Because sometimes they're already there from the prior homeowner and they might have been forgotten about and died off or we don't know, but it could be any various condition, right? We had a client this morning call, had a long chat with him, this gentleman who's just moved here from South Africa with his family. And there's Mm -hmm. a garden in his property in Darien, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And he said it's tired. He'd like it to be rebuilt. But more importantly, he and his wife need some education on how to to make it thrive. Also understanding that the climate is very different here than it is in South Africa. Yeah. We said we can help you with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And that's an important thing with climate too, because we have people moving from all different climates. You know, like you mentioned South Africa, people move from London, people move from California, people are moving from all over to all over. And so dealing with the climate change and the season change is a big thing too. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's really good. I've pretty much touched on the points I thought were important. Let me know, did I forget anything or anything you guys want to mention about either your services or anything that I might've forgot? I think we've covered everything. We might want to just mention that the home front is a seasonal operation, but we are now moving into the four seasons in that we are also, we have launched two years ago, we launched a maple syrup tapping business where we are going to all of our clients' homes if they want us, tapping their maple trees, collecting Mm -hmm. the sap from their trees, boiling it and bringing them back a case of their own maple syrup with their own family label on it. And it really is amazing. I mean, people are ordering cases of these, this syrup that comes from their own property and they're giving them as gifts at the holidays, et cetera. It's really been fun. So that's something else that's worth looking at. Yeah. Boiling maple sap down into syrup is, if you've never experienced it, it's just a wonderful thing. It happens usually in late February or March. And it smells amazing. And it's just a wonderful sort of rite of passage in the spring. We started an online store as well. So people Mm -hmm. in the region can order some seedlings from us and fresh produce if we have overages. But generally speaking, everything goes in the ground. Yeah. No, what I was going to say, John, I wasn't involved in the process, but I've had maple syrup like that because I grew up in Maine. (laughs) And so it's hard to grow up in Maine and not have really good maple syrup. And in fact, as a kid, you just brought back a memory playing in, I don't know, however many yards. I can't tell you how many times we were like, brush our hair up against a tree and how many times I had sap in my hair. I mean, that's that's where I grew up. So that's kind of funny, but yeah, really good maple syrup. And I've had maple syrup like that in Vermont too. They seem to do that up there as well a lot. Sure. But it's been great having you guys here today. I think this was so informative. I think this is such a big trend that everyone really should embrace. And the more I think about the involvement of the whole family and kids, even more with homeschooling and all the lessons and so much that can be learned. I just think what a wonderful process from the ground right to the family table. I mean, I just think it's a wonderful circle. So I'd love to close the show just by having listeners know you can tell them your website and any social media platforms that they could find you on. And we will post all of this in our show notes so they can have all the links there. But why don't you go ahead and let them know. Glad to chat with you. I'm going to give you a phone number. We're at 203-470-3655. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and our website is homefrontfarmers.com. That's great. And on Instagram, is your handle just homefrontfarmers? I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I think it is. No, I'm pretty sure that it is. And we'll, you know what, we'll post. No, I think it is. And we will post it in the show notes. So everybody will have the links and they should definitely reach out to you. I think all that you offer. And I think that winter program with the maple syrup, what a wonderful thing. And for gifts too. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for having us, Jill. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much, guys. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. So that was so great and informative, and I feel like it's so on trend right now. And I think there's also a lot of people like me that have maybe been wanting a garden for a long time and have just been putting it off, you know, not realizing that there is help along the way to guide you through it. And then you can become independent with it if that's what you choose to do. Or as they mentioned, they can stay with you every step of the way 
take care of the garden all the time and leave your fresh, you know, vegetables in a basket at your door. So it really runs the gamut, which I think is great. I think also the discussion regarding, you know, kids and now that they're home and now with COVID, I think it raised a lot of great points. And what an amazing learning opportunity, whether it be from the science to, like we discussed, just learning things like patience. I mean, it just is amazing. And I also just love the way it connects us. It can be a family activity. Um, It then leads from the outside into inside to preparing the meal and then sitting down to eating the meal. So there's so many levels there that are just so rich in things that, you know, you don't always get from regular school. So, I mean, how amazing is this? So I really loved it. I hope you did too. And from my home to yours, think about that garden. It's got me thinking now. Talk to y'all soon. So I hope you're enjoying this show. I know for me, it's been amazing and I love connecting with all the guests I've had on and connecting with you, the audience. So it's still a young podcast. And so in celebration of that, I want to announce a second giveaway promotion. I am gonna be giving away one of my online one-to-one digital services. It is a $500 value. It is ideal to help you if you are moving and need to start getting some decorating done for your home. So all you have to do to win is subscribe, rate, and review this show, and I will pick someone at random. It will probably be selected within the next four to six weeks. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you, and I hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.